Today, if I had to give a title, I would ask you, does your anointing stink? And when I say anointing, I'm talking about the power that you have. I'm talking about what God has given you. Does it have a foul odor to it? Um, and I'll share with you a little more of where I, where I, why I'm asking that question and where that question comes from, right? But the question is, my question to you is not whether or not you have power. My question to you is not whether or not you are anointed. And of course, there's different levels of anointing. God has anointed you to do something. God has given you power to do many different things. God can give you special power. The question is not whether or not you have power. The question is for me is not whether or not you are anointed. The question is, does the anointing you have stink? Is it fresh or is it foul? Right? Does it have a foul uh, fragrance to it or a foul odor? Um, so let me do me a favor. Join me at Exodus chapter 30. Exodus chapter 30. Exodus chapter 30, verse 22. This is part three of the five obstacles or the five things keeping you from stepping into that new level of authority, right? The five things. We've dealt with uh, two things already, and this is the third one. Um, again, the question is not whether or not you have power or authority, anointing, uh, it's just whether or not it's fresh or whether or not it, it has a foul odor. And so my question is, do you stink? Don't worry about me. Don't worry about the next person. Assess your own self and, and do so without judging oneself. In Exodus chapter 30, verse 22, you'll find words similar to these. It says, then the Lord said to Moses, collect choice spices. Twelve and a half pounds pure myrrh, pure myrrh, six one fourth pounds of fragrant uh, cinnamon, six one fourth pounds of fragrant calamus, uh, twenty four and twelve pounds of cassia, as measured uh, by the weight of the sanctuary shekel, and it says also get one gallon of olive oil, right? You don't have to know what any of that is that I just mentioned. Just know that they're choice spices, meaning they are your premium spices, right? So God is telling Moses to go and get some premium spices because I'm about to teach you how to make some anointing oil, right? And so he says in verse 25, like a skilled incense maker, blend these ingredients to make a holy anointing oil. That's the New Living Translation. Right. Um, the King James Version, which I like much better, says this in verse 25. And thou shalt make it an oil of holy ointment and an ointment compound after the art of the apothecary, apothecary, after the art of the apothecary, it shall be a holy anointing oil. Somebody's probably saying, I I'm trying to follow you, but I can't understand the language. God is now assigning Moses to go to the to the to the nearby market and to get some spices, some very choice spices. 
And he says, bring it back and I'm going to teach you how to carefully blend these spices together and this oil. And I'm going to teach you how to make some anointing oil, right? And so um, in verse 26, it says, use this sacred oil to anoint the tabernacle, the Ark of the Covenant, uh, the table and its utensils, the lampstand and its all, and all of its accessories, and the incense altar. It says the altar of burnt offering and all its utensils and the wash basin with its stand. And in verse 29, it says this. Consecrate them to make them absolutely holy. After this, whatever, whatever touches them will also become holy. He's telling Moses, I want you to... I want you to carefully blend these spices, get this olive oil, and I'm going to teach you how to make some oil that is anointed, that is powerful. And I want you to go throughout the tabernacle and I want you to put the oil on these things. I want you to consecrate these these utensils inside of the church because I want it to be holy and whatever touches it will also become holy. Right. And then and then he says, do this. He says in verse 30, anoint Aaron. I want you to anoint Aaron and his sons. I want you to consecrate them to serve me as priests and say to the people of Israel, this holy anointing oil is reserved for me from generation to generation. And so he said, I want you to go. I want you to anoint certain things in the temple and I want you to go and anoint um I want you to anoint Aaron and his sons because I, I want them to do a special work for me. I want them to be set aside. I want them to be consecrated. I want them to be prepared to use for use. Right. So when we're consecrating ourselves throughout this fast, we're saying, God, we're trying to consecrate ourselves so that you can use us. Right. And then he says, this is what this is what he says. And he says, this oil is reserved. Right. For me, for my use. God is saying this oil is reserved. Right. Anybody can't just use it. Everybody can't be anointed unless I say so. Right. And then in verse 32, he says it must never be used uh, to anoint anyone else. And you must never make any blend of it for yourselves. It is holy and you must treat it as holy. Anyone who makes a blend of this oil or tries to anoint someone else, we will have to exclude them from the community. Uh, amen. I know I didn't add this to your reading for this morning, but just know that that's um, Exodus chapter 30, verse 22 um, through 33. And God is instructing Moses how to create some oil so that Moses can go around and he can begin to anoint uh, different things throughout the temple, the tabernacle, and then also to anoint special uh, people so that they know that they have been assigned for God to do some work for him. And everything about this has to do with God and nothing to do with man, right? God says this is reserved for me. And and, and, and use the term, the art of the apocryphary, apocryphary. You only will find that word in verse 25 of Exodus if you're reading the King James Version. Otherwise, what you will hear or read is um, a skilled incense maker, right? And so apocryphary 
was what you call a perfumer. A perfumer. This was a person who was skilled at taking fragrances and making special oils and special um, ointments to help people, to heal people, right? And so you have an apothecary who would be assigned to make these oils. Not anybody could make oil or, or make anointing oil. Not everybody was skilled in doing this, but God assigned Moses to also do this and to teach him how to make the anointing oil, right? And so you had you had to be very skillful to combine these different ingredients. And so it's fascinating when we look at, at Exodus chapter 30 that God gives him the instructions on how to make oil and who was going to be the beneficiary of being anointed, which is very, which is very precious. But then what I like about this passage is that after he tells him to create the oil, and to anoint certain people and certain things, he tells them, not everybody can use this oil. Not everybody can be anointed. Not everybody uh, can just have this oil. No, you cannot try to duplicate it. Don't try to take it home with you. Don't try to replicate it. Don't, don't, don't. I, don't give this ingredients. Don't give these instructions to anybody. This is reserved for me. And I was looking at that, and it was fascinating that that God would, would tell them that. And I believe the reason that God told them or forbade them to assign people or forbade them to replicate this oil was because God knew that if the oil got in the wrong hands, it would get abused. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to slow down. God knew he had to put prohibitions on the anointing oil, the power, his power, right? He had to put prohibitions on it because he knew that if people get word about this anointing oil and it gets in the wrong hands, then people will start misusing the anointing, the oil, right? God knew that if you were not careful, people would begin chasing the anointing and using it for personal use and not kingdom glory. God gave Moses the instructions on how to prepare this oil and how to bless certain people and how to consecrate people for his use. But then he turns around and tells everybody, no, don't try to replicate this oil. Don't try to, you know, to, to replicate this anointing. It has to come from me because he knew that if you're not careful, people will become intoxicated with getting more power, more anointing oil, with no consideration about holiness. What? What are you saying? God knew that people, if if you're not careful, people will begin majoring on the min on the minor and minoring on the major. He knew people would begin chasing the anointing and not chasing obedience. Right. And so he has to tell them, don't go chasing after this oil. Don't go trying to replicate this oil. I gave it to Moses and it's reserved for me and I will anoint. I will give power to whom I choose. Right. 
Because people, we want the anointing. We want the power because that's what the anointing represents. It represents God giving you power and God assigning something to you, right? And so God knew that if it gets in the wrong hands, we will start chasing after anointing, which is why as soon as we start talking about miracles and powers and wonders, people are like, I want that. Some, some of us, we... We, we jump into the fast because we want to know how do we heal? How do we, how do we do these different miracles? We want the anointing before we want the obedience. And so that's what, that's what is particularly intriguing about this particular passage is that he teaches Moses how to create the oil, but then he tells everybody else, don't go trying to replicate this because... I will give you the anointing. I will anoint you. I will give you power. I don't need you chasing after it yourself. I don't need you trying to replicate it because my anointing, this anointing can't be replicated. So what are you saying? Whenever you place more emphasis on obtaining power than developing character, you will discover that your anointing will begin to stink. I just made a quick jump. I just made a really big jump. Let's bag up. God gives them the instructions on how to develop anointing oil, which is symbolic for power, right? I'm giving you power. I'm assigning you to do something for me. I'm consecrating you. But then he tells them, I don't need you all going I don't need you all chasing after this anointing and trying to replicate this, right? Because many times what we would do is we'll chase after the anointing, we would chase after the power, and never chase after the Lord, right? We would chase after the wonders, we would chase after the miracles, and never chase after obedience, right? We'll chase after the, the different things that come with the power, but never chase after obedience. And when we live a life where we're placing more emphasis on power, that is the anointing, and not on character, we will short circuit our destiny. I'm going to say it one more time. God is not more concerned about you being anointed than you are being obedient. God is not more concerned about you having oil on your life than he is about you abiding by what you already know to do, right? I told you from day one that relationship is more important than power, right? You should desire relationship before you desire any power. When you desire power over relationship, you will discover that the perfume begins to stink. Why, why do I call it perfume? This is what anointing oil is. The apothecary would take different fragrances and will begin to put them together and carefully blend them that it gives off a, a perfume, a wonderful smell, right? But when you begin to major on the minor and minor on the major, you will find you will find that you have power and no character. But when you chase power and you place more emphasis on power than you do character, you will find that the perfume on your life will begin to give off a foul odor. Uh, you don't believe me? All right. Ecclesiastes chapter 10. Ecclesiastes chap chapter 10 says this. 
dead flies putrefy. Putrefy is, is if you're trying to find a word for stinking, putrefy is the greatest word, right? I'm not just going to give you the word stink. It says putrefy, putrefy. So it says dead flies putrefy the perfumer's ointment. That is the apothecary. That is the anointing oil from this particular translation. So it says, dead flies putrefy the anointing oil and cause it to give off a foul odor. So does a little foolishness to one respected for wisdom and honor. And when you put this in context, it's talking about you can have all the wisdom you want to, but just a little foolishness will cause all of the wisdom you have to go out the door. In the same way, one who is anointed, right? One who has the oil on their life, just a little bit of, of disobedience, just a little bit of your pride, just a little bit of your arrogance, just a little bit of, of, of those things will cause your anointing to begin to give off a foul odor. And so it says, I like this in King James Version. Listen to this. It says, wisdom is better than weapons of war. I'm reading, I'm, I'm getting to it. But one sinner destroyeth much good. And then it says, dead flies cause the, uh, the ointment of the apothecary to send forth a stinking savior, a stinking smell. So doeth a little folly him that is in reputation for wisdom and honor. So it's saying that you can be anointed, but if you don't have holiness and obedience, then your anointing can give off a foul odor. I know you're saying, well, how, how can it say that? It's not saying all that. Just, just follow me. So you actually can be anointed and give off a foul odor. So therefore, being anointed shouldn't be the all in all. Receiving power shouldn't be the all in all. Me trying to receive power and anointing from God is good. But if I don't have holiness, if I don't have obedience, if I'm not seeking relationship, then just having the anointing by itself is not enough. I don't want anointing if it's not coupled with obedience. I don't want to be anointed if it means that I have to sacrifice holiness, right? Consecration, right? And so what this text I think is teaching, what I believe this text is teaching us is that if you only desire to be anointed, if you only desire to have power, Power without character will cause your anointing to begin to give off a stinking fragrance. All right. So let me help you just a little bit further so this can make a little bit more sense. Because what happens is we take a single text and then we say, well, I hear I hear that. But how does that apply to my life? How can I see that differently? First, understand this. You should not. Seek after the power and the anointing of God if you're not also chasing obedience, consecration, 
holiness, relationship with the Lord, right? I don't want to heal. I don't want to speak and open doors. I don't want to rain fire down from heaven. I don't want any of these things if it means that I have to, it has to come at the expense of my relationship, my consecration, my holiness. You can be anointed, meaning you can have power and not have character. I'm, I'm trying to help somebody today. Being raised in ministry, I didn't hear that. I didn't know that. You can have power because power is given to you the very moment that you choose to believe. Read Mark 16. You can have power and not have character. But when you have more power than you do character, your anointing is going to stink. I don't want power if I don't also have character. My prayer is, Lord, and when I say character, I'm talking about the fruits of the Spirit. The fruits of the Spirit is character, and these things cannot be born. And I'll talk about that Monday. We're talking about seasonal fruit on Monday, right? But when I talk about character, I'm talking about the fruits of the Spirit. And fruits of the Spirit can't be born unless you're walking in the Spirit. Walking in the Spirit can't happen unless you're crucifying the flesh. You can't crucify your flesh unless you have a fasting lifestyle. All of this comes together. All of this works together. But let me help you with something. In Judges chapter 16, I know it's 625. Watch this. In Judges chapter 16, let's look at one's life. When you become intoxicated or you preoccupy yourself with power instead of character, right? When, when you have more power than you do character, let me show you what your life looks like, right? I don't want to open doors. I don't want to rain fire down from heaven. I don't want to have supernatural abilities if I'm not also consecrating myself constantly, huh? When I say constantly, I'm not talking about old anointing. I'm not talking about the old oil. What do I mean by old oil? When we look at Judges chapter 16, I'm not going to read it. I was going to read it, but time is of the essence. You have a man by the name of Samson. Most of us have heard of Samson before. There's some of us who have not heard of Samson before. When you go to Judges chapter 16, Samson had been anointed, he had been given power, supernatural power, supernatural abilities to be able to do wondrous things. Uh, he was a warrior, right? And he by himself slain many men um, because of the power that God had rested upon him. When you read Samson's life, the power of God was upon him. God was upon him strong, right? And, it, and the power was in his, the strength was in his hair, right? Because he was a Nazarite and he was born a Nazarite. He was consecrated and, and dedicated a Nazarite from birth. And so he makes reference to that in this text because in verse four, it says, sometime later, Samson fell in love. I'm not giving you the whole story. You have to read it for yourself. Sometime later, he fell in love. He had a mission. God gave him a mission to accomplish. He, he was called. He had purpose. He knew who God was. He was consecrated from birth, right? 
And it says that he fell in love with a woman by the name Delilah. And in verse five, it says some Philistines came to her and said, entice Samson to tell you what makes him so strong so we can overpower him and tie him up and um, we'll give you some money. And so in verse 15, the Bible says, because she tried to come to Samson and convince him to give her the recipe to his power, right? The recipe to his anointing, the recipe to the, his ability to do what he was able to do. And he, he, was never, he never gave it to her, but he was so intoxicated with her love that he lost focus, right? He lost focus of who he was supposed to be, what he was supposed to be doing and his mission. And so in, in verse 15, uh, she convinces him, she pesters him. So much so that he finally gives in and tells her all the secrets. And so in verse 17, it says, finally, Samson shared his secret with her. My hair has never been cut, he confessed, for I have been dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth. That's what you call old anointing. I'm referring to what I used to do. Right. But today he's not operating in that same anointing. Right. What do you mean? If my head was shaved, my strength would leave me and I would become as weak as anyone else. And so in verse 19, Delilah lulled him to sleep with her head, with his head in her lap. And then she called the men to come and shave his head and they came and shaved his head. And then it says in this way, she began to bring him down and his power left him. Right. And so his power left him. And so I, I, I like in verse 20, when it says that the Philistines have come to capture you, she, she woke him up and said, the Philistines have come to capture you. And he didn't realize that the Lord had left him. He didn't realize his power had left him. And so the Philistines had, had captured him. They gouged out his eyes and they took him and they imprisoned him. Just follow this. And then verse 28 after he's in prison, his eyes are gouged out. The mo one of the most powerful men in the world. God, he was anointed, powerful. Hmm? He had power. And he began to get some power back. Look, it says here in verse 20, 28, it says, he began to pray to God, oh God, please strengthen me one more time. With one blow, let me pay back the Philistines for what they've done to my eyes. Then Samson put his hands on the pillars and he pushed them and then he killed all of the Philistines and himself. And he had power. Let me conclude this with you. Samson's life is a life that focuses more on power than obedience, than holiness. Samson's life is on display. This is what it looks like when you're living on an old anointing, when you have more power than you do character. See, see, he didn't lose his power. He just lost his fruit. See, you don't lose your power, right? You keep your power. You keep the anointing. Anointing that you're anointed, you you God gave it to you. I'll take it back. You're anointed, but you don't have character. 
And so he lost his character. He lost his character, but he kept the power. He kept the power. He lost the character. And as a result, he kills himself and everyone else. The potency of your power will always reside in your character. The potency of your power will always reside in your character. This is why it's so powerful that when Elisha was chasing after Elijah in 2 Kings chapter 2, and before Elijah was taken up to heaven, he looked at Elisha and said, what do you want from me? And in 2 Kings chapter 2, Elisha said, give me a double portion of your spirit. Elisha never asked him for a double portion of your anointing, of your power. Give me a double portion of your character. If I can just walk like you, if I can just surrender to the Lord in ways like you have, the power will take care of itself. And then Elijah looks at Elisha and says, you have asked a very difficult thing. Right? This is what the text says. Because people chase power. Power is the easy part. Character is the hard part. Right? And so in this text, even looking at, at, at Judges and looking at Samson, Samson shows us whenever you place more emphasis on power than you do character, your oil will always become putrid. Good morning, everyone. I want to bid you a happy weekend. There's two questions I need to ask you. Is there anything in your life that may have died, but you have yet to discard of it? Is there anything in your life that you need to crucify, and yet you're nurturing it? I'm going to ask those two questions again. Is there anything in your life that may have died and yet you have yet to discard of it. You have yet to get rid of it. Is there something dead? If dead flies give off a putrid smell. They will poison the oil, right? Is there something dead in your life? I'm using that symbolic language. Is there something in your life that is dying, that needs to die, and you have yet to get rid of it. You're still holding on to it. Second question. Is there anything in your life that you need to crucify? You need to kill. And yet you're nurturing it. You don't want it to you don't want to let it go. But you know you need to crucify it. God is giving you power. No doubt about it. You are powerful. You have been anointed. But if you place more emphasis on power than you do the fruit, just like judges and just like Samson, that anointing, that oil, will begin to give off a foul odor. You don't, trust me, trust me when I tell you this, you don't want power. If it comes at the expense of obedience and character and holiness and consecration. 
what use is power? So what can keep us from stepping into our anointing, stepping into our power, stepping into our level of authority is the fact that our anointing is giving off a foul odor. Is the fact that we are placing more emphasis on power than we are character. When you have more power than you do character. Y'all have a good morning. Thank you all for asking those questions on um, Facebook. Um, Teleconference, I'm going to, in about two minutes, in about one minute, I'm going to unpause you. And if any of you have any questions, I want you to be able to ask me questions. Um, You all have a wonderful weekend. I want you to sit with these texts. I want you to sit with Exodus chapter 30. Um, I want you to sit with Judges chapter 16. I want you to sit with Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 1. Um, You can sit with 2 Kings chapter 2, um, which just looks, it looks at Elisha uh, pattering uh, his life after Elijah, right? And choosing to chase character than power, right? I bless you all. Have a great weekend. This is much. What I just gave you, yes, it is much. Um, So it is much to chew on. It is much to chew on. Um, But this is for me to give to you so that as you enter into the new year, you can go back and you chew on this. You chew on this. You remind yourself of this. You go back to this word. There is much more revelation in what I have given you. I've only given you surface matters. And so for you, you go back what I've given you and there is much more.